Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit sozosmtx.com. So we've been in a, a series called Missio Dei, the mission of God, and the idea behind that is that we would understand what the mission of God is. It's actually the big story of scripture that continues on into our day. And so uh, we spent the first part of this series really reframing how we would understand the mission of God is that the mission of God is all about family. One of my spiritual fathers, a guy named Jack Taylor, said it this way, that if God would have wanted anything other than a family, then he would have told us to call him something other than father. In fact, when Jesus taught, the disciples said, hey, Jesus, teach us how to pray, he said, pray this way. He said, pray our father. What he was doing was giving us the way, not a way, the way to relate to God, is that he's a father and he's after a family. And so when we begin to understand the mission of God, it's this, that God wants his kids back. And so we, we've built on that. We've talked about, Steve did this, talked about how, how the, the, the mission is really built all on radical love. We've talked about some of the practical uh, pieces of that um, and what it looks like. Um, we had a handful of guys up here talking about local missions and what it looks like to get involved uh, serving people around you. Um, last week, I talked about the power of testimony. You know, your story carries incredible authority, incredible power. There is breakthrough in, in your big story of your life, but there's also breakthrough in, in the little stories of God coming through like Ashley shared this morning. There's something about that that allows us to fix our eyes on Jesus and stirs our faith. So we're, we're gonna continue talking about uh, the mission of God and a message I'm gonna preach this morning called Live Sent. And so if you wanna go to me, we'll start in 2 Corinthians. Go with me, not go to me. Stay there in your seat. Uh, go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter five. We'll get started there. How many of you have traveled internationally a little bit? A little bit? Wow, we've got a well-traveled crew. Uh, in, in my 39 years, um, I have had the opportunity to go to, I don't know, somewhere between 25 and 30 different nations. And what I've discovered in my travels is that customs and border patrol, they're very different depending on the nation you go to. Like, not too long ago, I was traveling through Africa, and one of the places that we made a stop uh, is known for corruption. And so I'm getting my bags through, like, the fifth checkpoint, and there's this little guy there, he's saying, give me some money. Give me some money. I'm like, no, I'm not giving you any money. Give me some money. I'm like, no, this is God's money, and I'm not giving it to you. Give me some money. No, I made it through. I think some of the other guys on our team actually gave him some money. Um, <laughs> years ago, Lauren and I were traveling through, through Spain. I love Spain. Anybody love Spain? And I, I think we were somehow, the flight we got uh, we landed, when we landed in Madrid, it was like a weird time. And so we were the only people going through uh, the, the Border Patrol checkpoint. And as we walk up, I kid you not, the, the immigration guy has got his feet up on the counter and he's smoking a cigarette. <laughs> I'm like, that's very different than coming to America. As an American citizen... Are like Border Patrol, Customs, Immigration guys, they actually work for me, right? 
And yet I'm terrified of those guys. But I'm going into Spain and I'm like, all right, the party is on. This guy's smoking a cigarette, feet up. It's like it tells you something about the culture that they're representing. Those things weren't disconnected. The guy, give me some money, give me some money. Not disconnected from the culture that he's representing. Spanish guy with his feet up on the desk, smoking a cigarette. Country that's continually on the verge of bankruptcy. It's like, it, it just totally makes sense. I love Spain, I'm not, they just have a culture. Coming into the US, I'm like terrified, right? It's like there's a culture there. There, there, there's something about people that represent the, the, the nation or the kingdom that they're representing and how they represent that says a lot about the culture that they actually come from. 2 Corinthians 5, let's read, we're just gonna do a drive-by here. Let's read verse 20. This whole passage is so good. 2 Corinthians 3 through 5 is just loaded helps you understand the transition into the new covenant, which changes everything, gets us out of religion. Amen, that's good news. Verse 20, it says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Say ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Well, I love this, this wasn't where I was going, but it's just so good, hard to miss. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Dustin said something a a few weeks ago in transition that I was like, whoa, did you just say that? He said, you are as righteous as God. It's like, oh man, the heresy police are coming after you. (laughs) But it's right on, why? Why are you as righteous as God? Because God gave his righteousness to you. So he gave of himself to you so that you could be like him. Now that's a good word. That's good news. That's not what we're talking about this morning, but I thought that was just good. Get the heresy police off of him and onto me, right? Um, so you're an ambassador of Christ. That word ambassador means it's like a, a, a statesman, a representative, an emissary, And it means actually somebody who is a a trusted person by their king. Bless you. Yeah. When you sneeze in like a Holy Spirit kind of church, everybody's like, it's probably the best thing you could do. You got blessed more than anybody else this morning, Stevie. You're an ambassador. It means that you're trusted by heaven. When we begin to understand what that word means, it's, it's that all of the authority of heaven has been vested into you. And so whatever you say, the king has to back. Whatever you do, the king is behind. I think it was last summer, we were hanging out at the, the Taylor's house. And we had a bunch of friends and the kids were all upstairs and the adults were all downstairs. And my then two-year-old found a, uh, a little workout ball. And, and he was in the habit of throwing stuff. He's still in that habit. Some of that has been disciplined out of him now after this story. And he managed to throw the workout ball 
through their like 72 inch TV. Everybody was asking me, not him, if I was okay. Like Wendy came and checked on me. She's like, are you? I'm like, yeah. Basically what I didn't say because I was being as polite as I could be, go away. You don't want to talk to me right now. Why? Because I knew that Eli was not responsible for getting that TV replaced. That wasn't coming out of his college fund or his piggy bank. That thousand plus dollars was coming out of my back pocket. And I think sometimes we don't understand our role both as ambassadors and as children of God. That he's actually the one that's vouching for you. That all of heaven has been both invested and vested in you so that you operate with the very authority of heaven because you're an ambassador of Christ. You're you're not some sort of like volunteer errand person. You know, like political campaigns, they get like all of these volunteers that are like 21-year-olds that have been, uh, you know, maybe pushed in a certain direction by their college professor. And so now they're like gonna go radical on some sort of campaign. And so they, they do a whole bunch of stuff, say a bunch of stuff that they have no idea maybe even what they're talking about. That's not you. You're, you're not a volunteer in this deal. You're, you're not just somebody that's, that's just running some errands for God. You're a son, you're a daughter, and all of heaven's authority has been put into you. And so when you speak, there's incredible authority to the words that you say. When you pray, there's phenomenal authority in the words that you pray. Heaven moves and demons flee and the power of God goes forward. And so often we begin to operate in this mentality of like, I hope this happens. And it's not even biblical hope, it's just wishful thinking. But you know that when Jesus gave you his name, the name that's above every other name, and he said, when you pray in my name, ask and it will be given to you. You know what he was saying? He wasn't saying, hey, throw my name onto the end of your prayer because it'll make a nice, really cute ending. Some of us pray that way. Oh yeah, I gotta throw in Jesus' name on there. That's not what he's talking about. When he says to pray in his name, he's saying, pray as if I'm the person that's there. And so when you pray for the sick, your faith should say, you know what? It's me standing here or it's Jesus standing here. It doesn't really matter because he's in me and I'm in him. And so I'm praying on his behalf, in his stead, with all of his authority. And so often we wonder why our prayers aren't answered. It's because we're not praying to God, we're wishing. But when we begin to understand that you're an ambassador with Christ and all of heaven's authority has been vested in you, it changes the way you walk. It changes the way that you represent the kingdom that you're the ambassador of, the way that you represent the king that you're the ambassador of. And it's not simply in power. It's also in love. 
when somebody around you is hurting, maybe they've been absolutely rejected or maybe they're wrestling with the darkest depression. What if we begin to recognize, I'm an ambassador of Christ. Me standing here, it's as good as Jesus standing here. And I'm going to, not because I know here what to do, but because I have him here, I'm going to, on behalf of the King of Kings, I'm going to represent him well in this moment. And I'm gonna trust that my presence is way more powerful than my knowledge. And I'm going to watch him move in love and in power. Do you know who is in you? who has authorized you, who's given you authority. You're an ambassador of Christ. You're not an errand boy, an errand girl. You're not somebody that's just doing a little bit. He has put all of himself into you. I love the way that Jesus says it in John chapter 20, verse 21. He says, as the Father sent me, so I send you. Chew on that for a second. As the Father sent Jesus, so Jesus sends Evan. As the Father has sent you, uh, sent Jesus, so he sends you, Noah. He sends you, Chuck. Since you. You know, sometimes we release people, right? Like, oh, that somebody's got an idea. It's like, oh, yeah, you should go give that a try. It's very different than sending somebody. Sending somebody says, I am behind you. I am with you. I've got your back. We're in this thing together. That's the way that you've been sent. Do you know that God, when he brought you into his family, he invited you into the family business? He invited you into the family business. And what he's saying is, hey, we've we've got a few things that we're going to do. We're going to see the deaf healed, the blind see, the lame walk. Prisoners release and captives set free. We're going to destroy the works of the enemy. We're going to bring our kids back into the family. So when he, when he brought you into the family, he said, hey, now let's run together. And so often what religion has done is it's made us think that now I've got to go do these things for God. And that word for is a trap. And that word for will get you stuck in religion. It will keep you out of intimate relationship. In fact, some of us here, we need to stop trying to do things for God. He's not asking you to do anything for him. He's not asking you even to live for him. What he's saying is with And there's a big difference between for and with. 
Four is me trying to prove to God that I'm worthy of him putting himself in me. But because he's already given me his righteousness, I'm worthy. The worth of something, the value of it is determined by the price that a person's willing to pay. When Jesus went to the cross for us, he determined your worth. Believer, there's no more talk of I'm not good enough. No more talk of, oh, I'm just doing better than I deserve. It's like, no. Your value is determined at the cross. You're the righteousness of God and the prize of heaven. He likes you and he wants to be with you and he wants to be in you. And it was for the joy set before him that he went to the cross. That joy was you. He's crazy about you. We begin to wrap our mind around it. We stop this nasty religious self-pity game of unworthiness. Some of you this morning, you're just going to need to leave unworthiness at the altar and never pick it up again. And so, so often we begin that thing instead of realizing, no, I've got all of heaven behind me. I don't lack anything. I've got everything that I need for what I've been called to. That I've been commissioned on the mission of God. That as the Father sent Jesus, so he is sending me. We begin to recognize that. We begin to live sent. That everything I do, I've got the backing of heaven. Years ago, I was hanging out with the Queen of England. Actually, I wasn't hanging out with the Queen of England. I was at a parade that she was at also. <laughs> I'm not sure who, the, maybe the parade was for me and she was in attendance. I, I can't remember. But it was a big deal. You remember that? We were in London, we had a mission team with us and we were there and all of a sudden we like came out of the subway and there is this parade and the Queen of England is there. They, I, I wanted to have tea with her, but they, they wouldn't let me. But all that was required, because she is who she is. Now, I want you to begin to think, if Jesus is the king of kings, and he's your king, what does that make you? It makes you royalty. I want you to begin to think, imagine in the spiritual realm, What's going on when you walk into a room, when you walk down the street? Could it be that in the spiritual realm, the same type of procession and security and everything else that's going on when the Queen of England makes her way down the street for her big, I think it was her anniversary parade, 150th anniversary of her marriage, whatever it was. (laughs) God bless, rest the Queen. But I I just want you to, (laughs) lost it. We're out of our imagination now, aren't we? Not my queen. America, right? (laughs) Okay. Well, that went in a different direction than I thought. And it's all my fault. You're not, like, well, you're egging it on. And so, But imagine what's going on in the spiritual realm. You have all of heaven's backing. You're not an orphan. You're not doing it on your own. The words you say, they attract the authority of heaven. 
And the reality is, the words you say can also attract the pits of hell. It's a double-edged sword. You've got to watch out. Because you are royalty. And you don't get to be lazy with your words. But heaven is backing you. And as soon as you begin to realize what it is, you step into it. So the question is, if I'm sent, where am I sent, right? Like if I'm supposed to live sent, what does that look like? Are we ending this series by everybody moving to Africa or to China or someplace that maybe you don't want to go? That's not the point. Go with me now to Matthew chapter 28. I'm sure you're familiar with this. It says, all authority, this is Jesus talking, last words in the book of Matthew, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority. How much? All. All. Not partial. Why can he say that now? Well, here's what's going on in the story of God. Adam and Eve had all authority. God had actually given it to them. They were put in charge over the earth, right? The problem is, is that you become a slave to the one that you obey. So when they chose to rebel against God and partner with the enemy by eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what they did is they became a slave to the one they obeyed and they gave authority to the enemy. And so what Jesus did is he came to earth. And the reason why it was really important that Jesus came to earth as fully man while at the same time being fully God, but the fully man part was really important because he had to stand in the place of Adam as a perfect man, Adam before the fall, and bring reconciliation on behalf of man with God. And so when he died, he, create, he, he, died, he, he created the new covenant of forgiveness for our sin. In his blood, as man, as the perfect priest, the last priest, the once and for all priest. That's why we don't have priest, because you don't have to have a go-between between you and God anymore. It's you get direct access. That's why I'm not a priest. I don't have a cool collar. And so when he rose from the dead, he defeated death and sin and Satan and sickness. And when he did that, he got the keys of authority back. And so now he can say, hey, well, while he was always the king of the universe, he, he, he became once again the king of the earth. He got the authority over earth back. And so he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then he says, therefore go. Say go. go. Now here's the key that we have to understand that word go. That word go, sometimes we would think means that I have to go way over there. And sometimes that's true for some of us. Sometimes your response, your yes to God, means that you're going overseas to a different nation. Here, here's the, the problem if we think that means that you always go 
go, 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 is that wherever you go, you would just have to keep going. So you'd actually just be nowhere, right? Or everywhere. Yeah, like Dr. Seuss. But what that word means is go and as you go, or go and everywhere you go. So your going starts when your feet hit the floor in the morning. And everywhere you go, when you go to work, when you go to the gym, when you're with your neighbors, when you're in class at school, when you're at the dinner table, you go. Because all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to you. And so, so now I understand that it's not, I need to be on a mission trip or some sort of like move overseas, which God's going to do with more of us than we know, overseas, planting a church or, or doing something official, it's that everywhere I go, I'm on mission. Everywhere I go, I'm sent. So you go to the grocery store, you're sent. So you need to understand that all of that heavenly procession is going with you into the grocery store. All of that heavenly procession is going with you into class. Some students need to say amen a little louder. <laughs> All of that heavenly procession is going with you wherever you go. And it's not checking out. And you need to understand that even if you're going places that you shouldn't be, he's still going with you. And he's, he's backing you and he's giving you all the authority that you need. So then as you go, you make disciples. Why? Because God wants his kids back. He wants lives to be impacted. For me, here, here, so a disciple is an apprentice. And for me, my mindset is I'm making disciples all the time. Now, some of it may be my brief interaction with the checker at the store. I'm planting a seed of discipleship. And it may simply be a smile. That may be all that I get in. Maybe an encouraging word, a hi, how are you doing? Oftentimes it's a praying for you or praying with you in that spot. And by the way, if you want to see God move, just pray with people. Some of you are like, oh man, like I can't share the gospel. That's really intimidating. I'm like, okay, you probably, if you've been in Jesus for very long, you need to get that down, right? Like that's actually, that, that's part of what it looks like. But let me just set the bar really low. Just pray with people. In fact, praying with people does a way better job often than preaching. I'm not saying don't preach because the Bible says preach. I'm not saying don't preach. But what praying with people does is instead of telling them about God, it introduces them to God. Because all of heaven then shows up on the spot. So just pray with people. And, and you're like, oh, I can't do that. My three-year-old Eli can pray with people. And he does. He just says, Jesus, come. Maybe that's all you got. Jesus, come. But I have seen time and time again, talk to somebody till one of us is blue in the face, pray for two seconds. Boom, people start to be moved by God. And it's not because I'm any different than you. It's because I've got the authority of heaven behind me, and so do you. And when we pray, things begin to change. Now, we oftentimes want instantaneous, and sometimes there's a delay. I love Ashley's story. I think the healing actually started here, 
but the fulfillment of it was after the nap. Now, sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do, by the way, is just take a nap (laughs) and just rest and wait on God to show up. Stop striving and just rest. But we should begin to understand that when we pray in faith, things happen. Things begin to change. And so it changes the way that we live. I mean, imagine if you've got an endless supply of cash. Could you imagine that? You probably already imagined that. (laughs) Besides blowing up the economy with crazy inflation, like we've, you know, I think our government has thought maybe they have an endless supply of cash, but that's a different conversation. (laughs) Now I've got an endless supply of gas prices going up. It's like crazy. So... But imagine you had an endless supply of cash that would not tank the economy. And you could just give it out to whoever you wanted. You could just bless them, right? Would you be stingy? No. Why? Because it's endless. What you have is way more powerful than an endless supply of cash. Do you understand that? You've got all of heaven behind you, supplying your every need. So therefore go and make disciples of all nations. That's, that's a significant deal. Here's what it doesn't say. It doesn't say make converts of all nations. Meaning this, the goal is not how do we get people to pray a prayer and move on. The goal is how do we get people to, to live as sons and daughters of the living God in a way that is tr- they're transformed and it transforms the world around them. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. That's a lot of teaching, huh? I love what 1 John 2 says. It says, if you have the Holy T- Spirit, you should need that no one teach you. So, so the best thing you can give people is the Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus said it was so good to get the Holy Spirit that it's better to have the Holy Spirit in you than it is to have Jesus in the flesh with you. That's a big deal. Some of us don't understand what we have. And so what I'm not saying is that you shouldn't be taught. We should all be humble enough to receive. But that you don't need somebody. So what that means is Your intimacy with God and your spiritual growth is not dependent on a Sunday morning. Hopefully that encourages and and supports, but but it's not the goal. It's it's, It's not the primary source. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you. The uh, King James Version says, Behold, I am with you to the very end of the age. I think the key in that, learn this from Dustin also. I learned a lot from Dustin. Behold, I am with you. We re- when we behold Jesus, that's the place that we begin to recognize the authority and power that we live under. There's something about beholding him that puts everything else into alignment. And so it's not how do I go out there and do all this stuff. It's how do I behold him. And from beholding him, while beholding him, how do I impact the world around me? 
Mark chapter 16. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Say all creation. All creation. That's a big deal. And it's important that it doesn't say all people, but it also says all creation. Romans 8 says that all creation groans with eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. Why? Because Adam and Eve's sin put the world under a curse. Do you understand that? And so, Jesus, becoming the curse, unlocks restoration and life to all creation. And what God is in the process of doing is renewing the earth. And when we begin to understand that, then the good news is that all of creation gets unlocked by the gospel. It's like the original green movement. It's significant, and it means this, that for you and I as believers, creation really matters. It matters how we steward the world that we've been entrusted with. We don't need to be reckless with it, and what I'm not saying is there's like, in this like kind of green movement right now, there is a like fake religion that values the earth as if it were a god. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that we've been entrusted with the earth and it's our responsibility to steward it and to treat it well. We don't prize the earth above people. One of the worst things you could say is that the world is getting too populated. So, so we just need to start getting rid of people so that we can care for the earth. Who, who are we talking about getting rid of? Are you going first? Right? Like that's just ridiculous thinking. Anyways, I'll get off my soapbox. <laughs> but we do need to care for creation. Okay. And these signs will accompany, that's, that's what we were saying, yeah, okay. Go into, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be sozoed, that's a good word. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. Okay. These signs will accompany who? Those who believe. It doesn't say these, sign will, these signs will accompany a select few. It doesn't say these signs will accompany those who are super Christians or those who have really good behavior or those who are in church and Sunday school all the time or those who know everything or those who are the most spiritually mature or whatever it is that you think is the reason why you're not experiencing these signs. But it says, those signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. Can I just, yeah, I will. I'm not going to ask your permission. I think some of us are tolerating the demonic and calling it normal life. You are being harassed by the enemy and you're calling it mental illness. I'm not saying that mental illness isn't real and God has compassion on that and he can heal that also, but sometimes we confuse the two. You've got authority over the demonic and you need to recognize that. 
You walk into your house and something doesn't feel right, take authority over it. Don't tolerate it. Your kids are having nightmares over and over again. Take authority over it. So often, we allow the enemy to harass us. Now, here's the deal. We're not going to be a people who are enemy-obsessed. We're not going to be demon hunters that are looking for demons behind every corner. Instead, we're going to be Jesus-focused. We understand, though, that when the focus starts getting blurry, there may be demonic interference. And so we recognize we've got authority over it. Don't be scared of it. Don't allow it to intimidate you. The enemy roams around like a roaring lion. Keyword is like. He's not one. He's just a little house cat. You've been given authority over the enemy. You've been given authority over the enemy. Stop being terrified of him. Stop being intimidated by him. Stop thinking that you need to go get more in order to be able to deal with him. Just deal with him in Jesus' name. They will speak in new tongues. Here's the deal with tongues. Tongues are a few things. One, at Pentecost, they were given the gift of tongues and they spoke in tongues. Sounds like gibberish. And people heard it in their own language. So it was actually used as an evangelistic tool by the Holy Spirit. Incredible. Tongues are often, the best way to say is like a prophetic gift. Like I've been in rooms where somebody gives a word in tongues and then somebody else interprets that word. Or sometimes even that same person, which is legit and spiritually legal. The the third thing about tongues, and this is quite honestly my favorite, is as a prayer language. And what 1 Corinthians 14 says is that when you pray in tongues, you build up yourself. You're, You're feeling off? Pray in tongues. Now some people think, oh, I can only pray in tongues when the Holy Spirit, like, compels me, like falls on me and I'm praying in tongues. I've had that experience a few times, but I choose to pray in tongues daily. If I'm not doing well and I don't know how to pray, the very perfect prayer you could pray is in tongues. It's your spirit man interceding on your behalf and he knows the very perfect prayer. So they'll pray in tongues. There's cool science, by the way, if you just YouTube it, there's cool science on praying in tongues that's mind-blowing. They will pick up snakes with their hands, doesn't mean they should, it just means that they will, okay? There's some people, yeah, they drink, will drink deadly poison, same thing. Don't go looking for demons, snakes, or poison, okay? It will not hurt them, hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people, and they might get well. No? No? And they will get well. All of heaven is backing you. It's time for the people of God to live sent. And to recognize this, there are, there is no clergy laity divide. There are no professionals and volunteers. It's everybody in the game. It's everybody. Let me 
say it this way. You've been given, the Greek word is a metron, a sphere of influence, okay? And you have authority in that place of influence. So we often think, oh, the spiritually mature people, those folks are leading the church. Then you came in and you saw me and said, oh, well, that must not be true. (laughs) This is part of my metron. This is part of my sphere of influence and authority. It's not about hierarchy. It's about you operating in the places of authority that God has given you. And we begin to recognize that. We begin to understand big piece of our kingdom calling and what it looks like to live sent. Recognize, man, some of you have favor in the business realm that I don't have. Or some of you, you're like, in your neighborhood, you might as well be the queen of England. (laughs) And I walk down your street and nobody cares. Why? Because you have a a metron, a sphere of authority and influence. And the way that influence works is that you begin to recognize it. And it's actually in that place of influence that your gifting comes alive. Some of you have spiritual gifts that you've never exercised because you haven't flipped the switch on and said, you know what, I'm going to take authority in the places that God's placed me. You want to discover what your spiritual gifts are. Begin to walk in the authority in the places that God has called you. God's led you into a job, you're going to have authority there. Doesn't mean that you'll have authority in the natural realm necessarily, but in the spiritual realm, you're going to have authority there. God puts you in a school, he's given you authority there. In a neighborhood, you've got authority there. You're going to the grocery store, you begin to understand, okay, God's given me authority in this place. Begin to recognize the places of your authority. And as you do, what you'll see is the kingdom come as you begin to live as an ambassador, as you begin to live sent. And here's my, my exhortation for us, is that we would begin to take ownership of the places of authority that God has given us. Like there are in this room, I believe, real statesmen, stateswomen that are supposed to, in the political realm, have influence and authority to transform the political climate in Central Texas. You need to step into that place. There there are people here that, that need to step into the business realm or step into education or step into the nonprofit world and begin to bring the kingdom order in that place. And your authority, by the way, is not simply about evangelism, though that's part of it, but it's about seeing the kingdom of heaven come in that place. It's about putting things in order. It's about bringing solutions. It's about pouring out the love of God in that place. And so often we think, oh, the mission is only evangelistic. No, the mission is that heaven and earth would look alike. When we begin to understand that, we begin to live sent and recognize, man, I've I've got a real skill set. Like you may be really administrative and you just put things in order everywhere you go. And it's like the world needs that because heaven is organized. You, you, you may be creative. And the world needs your creative skill set to bring the beauty of the world to life. You may have a gift of wisdom. Your gift of wisdom begins to shape things. But here's what happens. You operating in your kingdom calling and the gifts that God has you in your wiring. 
what happens is, is, is it'll draw people to Jesus. It'll put him on display. You don't have to do it by force. Like the goal isn't, hey, how do I get elected into office so that I can make all of America Christian? That's ridiculous. Some people think that way. That's not the point. That role, like to become president of the United States, that role is to bring the, the order of heaven, not the order of the church, the order of heaven into politics and into governmental into the governmental realm. It doesn't mean that you use your authority so that everybody will give their life to Jesus. It means that in that specific sphere, what does it look like when heaven comes to government? Right? It probably looks like people prospering, people having freedom, the marginalized being cared for. It begins to look like those things. People being empowered. We begin to understand how God has called us, we begin to recognize, hey, this is a lot of fun to live on the mission of God. You were created for this. You're hardwired for it. In fact, you're gonna be miserable doing anything else. For some of you this morning, well, this story in Acts 12 keeps popping into my mind. They were all gathered, where were they, Dustin Antioch? Acts 12? Steve, what do you guys know? Antioch, yeah. Go to my Bible, guys. They're all gathered, and it says there are a bunch of prophets there. Paul had not been considered an apostle yet. And they said it seemed right to us and to the Holy Spirit to send Barnabas and Paul to this other place. So they begin to lay hands on them. And as they laid hands on them, something shifted. And what happened is they and the rest of Scripture are not called prophets. Though they were included in that group of prophets, they're now referred to as apostles, which simply means sent ones. There was something that happened in, the commission, in their, their responding to the commissioning of the Holy Spirit that changed the way that heaven and history saw them. This morning... I have a sense of this. It's not about you becoming an apostle, but it is about you being sent. And some of you, something's stirring in your heart, and you need to recognize, hey, I just need somebody to lay hands on me so that I can begin to live sent. I need to be commissioned into the places that God has placed me. So what we're going to do this morning, we'll have ministry team, you guys come on up, worship team, come up. And we're just going to invite you down, and we're going to lay hands on you. And here's what I want you to do. It may be one, two, three, four places that God has placed you. And we're just gonna bless you. We're gonna commission you to live sent in that place. And I believe that there's gonna be a shift for you in the spiritual realm in the places that God has placed you. Jeff, you're a sent one to the real estate world. You're a sent one. He's gonna bless your socks off financially, but he's sending you as an ambassador of heaven. That's what God's doing for so many of us. He's calling all of us. So here's what I want you to do. We're gonna need some more folks on the ministry team. If, if you recognize, hey, God's, he's sending me. Anna, come on up. You're gonna, and just say, hey, I, I'm, I'm in. 
I think quite honestly, I'm, I'm not trying to create a big altar call, but I think everybody in this place needs to say, you know what, I'm going. I'm gonna live sent to Austin Angels, to that whole world of caring for, for orphans. I'm gonna live sent. And I think as we do, what we'll see is that the kingdom of heaven advances in a way that our world is not ready for. What does it look like, Eli, to live sent to Wimberley High School? To see the kingdom of heaven go there. That's what God's doing. And so my encouragement to you is to not leave this place without having somebody lay hands on you and just commissioning you to go. It doesn't need to be more than probably about 60 seconds. They may give you a prophetic word. They may just bless you. I feel like God just wants to send people. So on your feet and just as God leads you, find somebody to come to. And I, I just feel like God is sending his people this morning. If you're here this morning, you have no idea what I'm talking about, but you know this, you're feeling in your spirit, I need to give my life to Jesus. Then one of these folks would love to pray with you to give your life to Jesus, to be all in with him. 